Pop 52, Brian Forsyth of the band Kicks, talks his career, music, and life. Welcome back to Pop Your Pop Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Mills. Today, we have a treat for you. Brian Forsyth of the band Kicks is on the show. Today's episode is full of music talk and talk about health, diet, and all sorts of stuff. This is not your standard Kicks interview. This episode could easily be filed under Pop for Pop Culture or under The Big Reveal. Either way, we get real and we have a bunch of fun along the way. So here we go.
And we welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, guitar player from the band Kicks. That's right, it's Brian Forsyth. Welcome to our show, sir. Hey, nice to be here. Nice to be here as well. We got to meet again in Nashville at the Rockin' Pod. That was a blast. And did you have a good time there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to expect going into it, but yeah, I did have a good time. Yeah, we'll have to get the whole band there uh, next time. That would be cool. Yeah, if they'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) So for the people who don't know who Kix is, what would you say Kix is? How would you define the band Kix? Well, you know, we've been lumped in with the whole 80s hair metal thing, but for me... You know, we're more of a product of the 70s, so I would just call us, you know, a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. I remember, because uh, my band, Mr. Monster, used to open up for you at Hammerjacks. Talk about, you know, blast from the past kind of a thing. We we, we weren't that good, but <laughs> but I remember <laughs> you guys being more blues rock based, if you will, than most of the Hairspray crowd at the time. Right. And I, yeah, and we're, you know, we're maybe a, a slightly older than, than those other bands, too. So, you know, like for me personally, my whole style was developed early, like pre Van Halen. So, you know, I wasn't like the finger tapper guy, and I, I'm more of like a Southern rock player. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We're going to get into that a little bit later. If you could pick one song for me to play that, that'll let people know what Kicks is, which song? Oh, that's a good one. I would say um, probably Cold Blood is a good example. It's a damn good song, so why don't you introduce it right now? All right. This is Cold Blood from our Blow My Fuse record. Take it away. Ow!
That is such a great song, and I just love the lyrics. I love the vibe, and people can see this on M- uh, MTV. That shows my age, right? But people right. can see this on YouTube, which is the new MTV for all intents and purposes. But they can see that you guys used to do this break, and you still do it, right? Where you drop down on the floor. Yeah, and it's been copied by a few bands here and there, but you know, we take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's weird because uh, you guys, back in the 80s, you guys owned the D.C. area, right? In Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, Uh you guys were the band. Yeah. And it was amazing because there's bands that are like this all over the country. Like, for example, in Cleveland, Michael Stanley Band, they would play like seven shows at the Blossom. But then they go to Chicago and it's not as big, right? But there's regional bands, but you guys were a regional band that broke. Yeah, it took a while. I mean, we, we were re, re, relentless. I can't speak. It's too early. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we just toured and toured and toured and, and just kept spreading further and further out. And there are pockets. I mean, it's weird. You can still, you know, we would still go to certain places where, you know, we'd be have a sold-out crowd one night and then you go to another place and it would be like uh, 12 people or something, you know. But it, it's sort of, I think since then, it, it's it's filled out because more people, you know, with the internet and all, more people have caught on and with the cruises and all that kind of thing. So we, we get more people from different places. Right. It's weird, but the longer you survive, the bigger you get. It seems that way, yeah. And this is not going to be your standard Brian Forsyth, Brian Damage kicks interview this is going to be something where we're going to talk about something that's very important to you yes we'll also get into guitars a little bit and stuff like that and some music that influenced you but you and i have something in common i'm the keto guy in my circle and you're kind of that same guy for you and your circle right yes so how did you get into keto well it was um kind of like a a slow process. I mean, over, over the last, oof, let me think. It's my timelines. Time is just flying, so it's hard to, you know, it's it's always longer than I think it's been. But uh, you know, I started getting healthy back in the early early two thousands, and and little by little, you know, I just I just kept learning more about nutrition, and and uh, and right around the time when when uh, Dave Asprey came out with his Bulletproof Coffee thing, mm-hmm. that's when I really started to dig into the research. And, and I, so I kind of entered keto through the Bulletproof Coffee thing. Now, is it okay to, to talk about your age? Sure, yes. Yeah, I just turned, uh, well, at the end of September, I turned 62. Very good. And in two more years, we'll still need you when you're 64, so keep it up, right? <laughs> yeah. What was it that made you go, hey, I, I need to do this? Like in my case, I was morbidly obese and I, I was dying. It was like just seeing something die on the vine, right? This has changed my life. This has uh, really changed a lot of things for me. And it's made it to where I can walk to the mailbox now or go to a store or something like that. These are things that were nigh on impossible for me. So I look at you. You're in really great shape. You and I have a similar haircut, the shag, or whatever you want to call it. Right. The 70s shag. Yeah, the 70s shag. Hey, it's it's valid. It works, man. 
they can never accuse us of having mullets. So anyway, <laughs> but you're 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 62, and you've you've seen the whole rock and roll lifestyle. You've seen all different kind of foods come and go. Uh, what was it that made you say, I need to do this? What, what was your driving force? And, and I want to say one thing before you answer that question, neither okay. you or I are doctors. We're just talking about our life experiences. Right. Yes. Yes. Cause a lot of people ask me for advice and it's like, well, you know, this is what I do, <laughs> but, but yeah. So anyway, I, uh, well, 1998, I got sober and um, and that was the start of it, really. You know, stopping all the drinking and the drugs and all that stuff, and and uh, you know, sort of cleared my mind, and and uh, so I started getting a little more health conscious. And then when when Kicks reformed in at the end of 2003, I hadn't seen those guys in like 10 years, and I saw Steve, and he was in such good shape, and I was like, wow. And I was already like starting to jog and do all that stuff, but but then I saw Steve, and it was like, wow, you know, he looked so good, like like Iggy Pop, like a young Iggy Pop or something. So that that was actually the 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 turning point. Like at that point, I was like, well, how'd you do that? And then he he told me about he was doing this P90X thing, and so I started just getting serious about actually working out and and. Uh, and it still took a you know a few years past there to to for the diet thing to come around. I mean, I was always totally unhealthy with my diet, but there was a lot that I I was ignorant about. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things that I thought were healthy turned out not to be healthy, <laughs> and vice versa. You know, so so yeah, I think that was the turning point. Seeing you know seeing Steve after ten years and going, man, you look great. <laughs> Have you thanked him for being an inspiration in a sense? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, you know, that's a weird thing. You know, we, we, we don't do that sometimes, right? Like, like Yeah. I, like, I feel it's important to let people know that, like, if, if they've been a hero to you or if they've influenced you. Because time is short. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I should say something to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I may have, but I can't remember. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, now I've we got to do an intervention now. So uh, no. Uh, <laughs> now I look at you, and you're a, a you know a healthy, good-looking guy. You do not look anywhere near sixty-two. Yeah. Well, I, I tell a lot of people I don't feel sixty-two except the first thing in the morning when I get out of bed. <laughs> Yeah, I always say that I feel like a 15-year-old until I try to stand up. Uh, yeah. So I look at you and you seem like you're in reasonably good health. Why do you continue to do keto? Why do you continue to keep this lifestyle going? Because you seem like you're healthy. A lot of people seem to have this idea that if you don't need keto, there's no need to do keto. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, because most people... You know, they they uh, they do the keto thing to lose weight or lose fat or whatever. You know, um, I'm doing it to stay healthy and, and to prolong my life. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you point blank: What is your definition of keto? Because everyone you ask, you might get six paragraphs, you might get two sentences. What is your what is your paragraph, if you will? What is keto? It's a low carb, high fat diet 
I've actually gone beyond keto. I'm I'm now carnivore. Mm. So uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, it's like the next step past keto, but it, it's basically just, you know, it's more like an elimination diet. So, uh, you know, I've eliminated everything that's been causing problems my whole life that I didn't even know that were causing problems. But now that I've stopped eating certain things, if I do eat those certain things, I, I, I can feel it right away. And it's like, oh, man, like all that time, that's why I was feeling like that. <laughs> So in a paragraph, I mean that that's pretty much what it is. It's a it's a high fat, low carb, and 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 with uh, carnivore, it's a pretty much down to zero carb. Yeah, and since you're not feeding your body carbs all the time, it can actually get to the things that aren't being processed like they should, right? Yeah, I mean all carbs do. I mean they just turn to sugar or glucose or whatever. Mm-hmm. In your system, so they, you know, it causes insulin spikes and all that stuff. So by taking that out of the the equation, it it keeps your insulin at a nice low level. And and insulin is the is a uh, hormone that stores fat. So you know, if you're constantly hitting it with with spikes, it's going to keep storing stuff. You know, and it can never really burn what's in your fat bank, right? Because it it never gets to actually touch it if you keep feeding it fresh carbs, if you will, right? Right, yeah, you're just running off the carbs. And you're not actually burning the fuel that's in your body the way that it was meant to be. Yeah. Because, like, when we were uh, cave people or whatever, we didn't have all these things that are on the side of a container that are things you can't even pronounce, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I can't believe some of the, the – you look at the ingredients and it's like a, you know, a page out of a book or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like if you sit down with Mountain Dew and you read what's in it, you'd say, I don't know if – it sounds like floor wax. I don't know if I should do this, right? Uh, but <laughs> it, 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 it probably is. <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird because, you know, you and I have discussed a little bit off mic about how there's the medical community at large and then there's the medical community who's kind of hip to this. And uh, I know that you follow some people, be it on YouTube or whatever. What are some people that, like, lead you to a better place as far as knowledge? Well, um, Dr. Ken Berry, for one. I, I, that guy is great. When I started, before I even found him, I'm trying to remember who I entered this through. I read a couple books, Keto Clarity and also Cholesterol Clarity to begin with, and it's by this guy Jimmy Moore. And Because um, when I first started this back in the, the Bulletproof Coffee days, I went and had my, you know, went and had a checkup. And my doctor freaked out about my cholesterol numbers and wanted to put me on a statin. And I was like, what? So I... I you know, I was like, I, I couldn't take her word for it. So I had to do some research. And I, so I sort of entered that whole thing through the cholesterol research. And then I, I stumbled onto um, uh, the intermittent fasting guy, Jason Fung, that's his name, was involved in one of those Jimmy Moore books. So I found Jason Fung that way. And then I read his book about intermittent fasting and the wonders of fasting. And, uh, and once I, I combined the fasting, and, and this is back when I was still keto. Like I, I've only been true carnivore since March, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of bounced back and forth before that for about eight months. But 
But when I was back, I was still doing keto, and I discovered the intermittent fasting. It kicked everything into overdrive. I mean, between you know exercising, fasting, and then the keto, it, it got me right down to where I needed to be. And and yeah, you mentioned that I seem to be in shape. Why am I doing this? I wasn't overweight, but but it it did get rid of all the excess fat in in my body. So, you know, after working out all those years, it finally, I could see it, you know, once I started doing this, it got rid of all that extra stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, now I can see the results. <laughs> well, it's amazing because you can work out really hard. You can go sweat at a gym every day and that's great, but it doesn't get rid of the inflammation. No. It doesn't get rid of the pain. And uh, it's one of the biggest benefits uh, that I've found is clarity of mind mm -hmm. so outside of the weight loss clarity of mind it just brings things into like laser focus and i i think that's because of inflammation right yes and you know the knees don't hurt my hands don't hurt but i'll tell you you mentioned earlier about if you eat bad boom you feel it i mean i actually feel my hands like get tingly which this is going to sound crazy to people, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, uh, well, especially, you know, I, I decided to go carnivore and that really cleared things up. I mean, even more, I mean, it, keto really helped as far as, well, most things, but I was still having like gut problems and all this stuff. And then as soon as I eliminated all the vegetables and fiber from my diet, it cleared my guts up and, and talk about clarity. It, it really cleared my mind when that happened. And I think, you know, because they say there's a you know, relationship between your guts and your, and your brain. Mm -hmm. And I can really tell the difference. Well, it's all tied together, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you, you know, your guts are all screwed up, it's going to fog up your brain, you know. So once I did that, I mean, I got super clarity out of it, you know, especially, in, you know, I can really tell at night, like when I've been traveling and I get to a destination and I pick up my rental car and I'm driving and it's like midnight or one in the morning and I'm driving along and all of a sudden I realized, you know, I'm not one bit tired and I'm super focused. I'm like aware of everything around me. Uh, you know, you can just feel it at that, at, at, at those times, you know, when you're, you're by yourself and it's quiet and, and it's amazing, the feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to play a song because I asked you to pick some songs that were inspirational to you in some way or another. And at, when we come back, I want you to talk about the differences between keto and carnivore. Okay? Okay. But first, let's pull Rock and Roll, Hoochie Coo. Yeah. Off the album All American Boy by Rick Derringer. Why did you pick this song? What's it mean to you? For one thing, the guitar solo in that song. I mean, this is early, like, what, I forget what year this was, but, man, Rick Derringer was such a great guitar player. And that solo just, it's got this energy to it that I, I just love. Every time I hear it, I, I forget. It was like, oh, man, there's that solo. <laughs> I had dinner with him once. He found out I was a Kiss fan, like, instantly. Oh, really? Because I asked him about, he played something on Lick It Up, and he, he like, pushed his plate towards me and goes, you're a Kiss fan, right? And I go, yeah. <laughs> he says, okay, here's what you want to know. It's, that way I wouldn't keep asking him, like, 
You remember that one time when you were in the studio? With, you know, and so it, it didn't become a Chris Farley kind of thing. Uh, right. <laughs> but he's a really good guy. Yeah, well, you, you know what? He did the pre-production for um, the Kix show business record. Really? Yeah, so he came up to our little rehearsal uh, space in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, and hung out for like a week or so, you know, taking the songs apart and putting it back together. And we, we all went out a, a couple times to eat, but I remember going to a, a sushi place with him. So it was cool to hang out with him, you know. Absolutely. Well, here we go. Rick Derringer with Rock and Roll. Hoochie
great song. It, it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, and that version is just super, like, I love that version. I mean, he, there's a bunch of, there's another version with um, Edgar Winter, the Edgar Winter group. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess Johnny Winter covered it. But but they're not quite as tight. That one is just a, such a tight version. I love it. It's just super tight. And that can be found on All American Boy by Rick Derringer. So check that out. It's It's cool to meet your heroes, right? Yes, it is. Especially when they turn out to be just really cool. Yeah, because a lot of times uh, you almost wish you hadn't if it's the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are the main differences between keto and carnivore? And uh, how would a person know what's best for them? Uh, well, the the main difference is, you know, on keto, you're you're tracking your whatever those are. <laughs> The, you know, tracking the the protein and the fat and the and right. the uh, your micros. Yeah, yeah, all those ratios. So basically, with carnivore, you you eliminate all the 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 uh, all the carbs and the vegetables. You're not you're not messing with any of that junk. So really, you know, for me, I don't even count calories. I don't count anything. I just eat. Mm-hmm. And I I try to balance the fat and the and the protein, so it's sort of like a you know one to one ratio, kinda. I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. the the protein's a little heavy, but uh, it's not as exact. You don't have to keep track of all that stuff. But you know, as far as you know, what's best for a certain person, it's I guess it's whatever works. You know, I I decided to do carnivore just to just to see if mm-hmm. it if it would. Uh, make any it make things even better and it did but not everybody well not everybody like would you know people they see it and they go oh man i can't i can't imagine living without vegetables or fruit or this or that so you know it's all your personal preference really i mean i, I just i feel so good eating like this that it's worth giving up all that other stuff mm. Now, you said you eat, and I'm going to tell folks, damn right he does. Uh, There's something that you do that I absolutely love on your Facebook page every night. (laughs) (laughs) You put a picture up of what you're eating. Yeah, most every night. Sometimes Sometimes you're on the road or whatever. Yeah. Or it's a it's a photography disaster, and it's like I can't get the right light, and it just looks like a pile of mush so i'll just go ah, i'm not gonna post that one tonight right. <laughs> but give me give me three different meals that drive people insane because people flip out when they see your post yeah yeah certain things do trigger people and and i you know it amazes me the the, the amount of likes or or even you know comments i get on on like a f- simple food and sometimes it'll surprise me it'll be something that i wouldn't it's like sort of a throwaway thing i'll just throw up there and and all of a sudden it just goes boom <laughs> but but one of the one of the things that really attracts people are are the chaffles mm, yeah 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 those are great yeah and so you know, a lot of people don't know what they are, so they're always, what's a chaffle? And, and you know, and it's, it's funny. It's basically a waffle made out of cheese. Cheese and egg, yeah. Yeah, cheese and egg, so. Yeah, it's so simple. 
and it it tastes great. It it has a consistency of a waffle, so you feel like you're eating a waffle, but you're not. <laughs> right, and you can put butter on it because butter is encouraged. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah, good. It, and it's it's you know zero carb, so it's it's great. But you'll do like these really huge steaks and really huge eggs and yeah. bacon, bacon, bacon. Bacon wrapped steak, steak wrapped bacon. You know, it's <laughs> with a ch- on a chaffle, in a chaffle, and people lose their damn minds, and they're doing it out of concern for you because they're like, "Dude, yeah, I know <laughs> your cholesterol has get to a doctor tonight because you're dying. You just don't know it." People tell me I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like every day it's a little bit of an education to read your Facebook page because it's like, hey, this is what's working for me and here's here's the science behind it. You keep bringing science into it. You keep bringing the medical field into it. Uh, the doctor that we mentioned earlier, for example, mm-hmm. you post a lot of his videos and he'll say, this is why this makes sense. Yes. And then it still comes down, yeah, but I can't give up my bag of Doritos, right? It, it, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're so addicted to that. And believe it or not, folks, you really are addicted to a lot of the foods that you're consuming, you know. Yeah, in fact, uh one of the guys like I follow several doctors, but uh one I and I can't remember which one said this, but he referred to sugar as a substance, just like drugs. Because mm-hmm. it is is highly addictive. Now, do you have a favorite uh sugar replacement? You know what? I try to avoid that. Um, I did post a, a photo last night. I had some extra leftover chaffle mixture mm-hmm. after because I, I only used it two for my my meal, so I had enough to make a couple more. So I made a little dessert, you know, just like regular waffles. And I have this stuff called Chalk Zero maple mm-hmm. syrup, and it's uh, I think it's got monk fruit sweetener in it, mm-hmm. and I th- think that's pretty much the only thing I still use that has sweetener in it Mm. and everything else, you know, I I have not, you know, I used to bake a lot of stuff. Um, and I haven't done that in a while, but, uh, I, you know, I kind of stay away from the, the fake desserts and all that junk just because it it does trigger me still. So like if you're kind of, in a sense, uh, you don't want to be in for the penny and for the pound, right? Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you don't you don't want to get going back that way. Right, right. It would be like, uh, you know, like I'm sober now. It would be like drinking a fake beer, you know, non-alcoholic beer. It's like, well, what's the point? It's just going to make me want it more, you know? That's interesting. I never would have thought of it like that. But, you know, we get addicted to food and how it makes us feel just as a just as any addict would right you know whether you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever yeah like there are people who it really disturbs me like i've met i met a guy in his 20s who had never eaten chicken if it had a bone in it he would not eat it Mm -hmm. that means he's been living on nuggets and breaded chicken like that's what he thinks chicken is i don't know whether he (laughs) thinks that it you know, climbs into a box and is made that way or what, but he doesn't understand that, you know, an animal's life, boom, this is, this is the chicken. This is the real deal. Mm -hmm. 
So he has no concept of that being a food source, right? And why? And that also means that I feel that he devalues the animals part in it. You know what I mean? It's 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 just mindless to think that you could go through life and not realize that chickens had bones at one point. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. <laughs> yeah. So you flip people out on your page. Uh, what was some of the craziest reactions that you get when people see what you post? Well, I get a lot of different ones. You know, I have the one, the health concern ones and, uh, but then I also get the, the, the vegan people or the vegetarian people. And mm-hmm. I try not to engage too much. I, I do engage a little, but usually I'll try to find the research or, or something linked to where I found the info and I'll just put a link in there and let them deal with it. <laughs> because that, that's the best way instead of just trying to throw my, my opinion out there. Well, that's one of the things I love about what you do. You're not adversarial. You're not confrontational. You're just like, well, here is the science. Here is the doctor speaking about why this works. You know, and it's it's very much appreciated. Yeah, and and also, you know, if somebody wants to be vegan, you know, that's their choice. And, you know, I can't put them down for that or anything. Right. I'm Even though, you know, after doing the research, I find out that, you know, that's not a healthy choice. By far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're all hoping for a better version of ourselves. So I look at you, yeah. and you don't need to lose weight. I look at you, you don't need, uh, you know, like, for example, I've, I had someone who had cancer. Uh-huh. And he said, well, I, I would love to try this, but I don't need to lose any more weight because I'm not healthy. Mm-hmm. And I went and I explained to him about how the sugars and the stuff that he's eating is actually feeding that cancer. Yes. People don't realize that food is programming. It's no different than programming a computer. It's, it, it is programming. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. And what you choose to put in is what you have to live with. And in my case, I've lived with it for more years than I ever wanted to. And I would work out, I would work out, I would work out, I would uh, cut back and cut back and cut back, but I was still eating garbage that wasn't being able to be burned properly. Yeah, because you didn't know any better. Right, and it's weird because, you know, you mentioned that you, you were had some problems being an addict and an alcoholic and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I'm a food addict, right? And I was trying to meet certain needs that you you really can't fix with food, right? (laughs) And, uh, but, but you feel like, well, I'm eating healthy, right? But I'm getting bad, you know, results. So you're trying to do this stuff for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. What was your biggest food thing that you had to give up? Well, sugar. I was definitely addicted to that. I love sweets. I mean, I'll still, you know, when I'm at a diner, I always take a picture of the dessert yes. case because I love the way it looks. But And then people are always, well, you know, it won't hurt just to eat that once. And I'm like, nah, you don't understand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I had a – I loved cookies. I loved, like, especially – in my position where I'm traveling a lot and I'm at an airport 
and I'm, you know, I go buy a place and there's like these cookies and I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll grab one for the plane, you know, that kind of thing. So it became a habit doing that. But yeah, I loved cookies. I loved cake. I mean, just sweets. I, I was just, um, I loved all that stuff. And that was the hardest thing to give up. Even when I first started on this whole journey, I would still, you know, I'd hold off during the week and then, you know, maybe reward myself on the weekends. And it was just sort of an ongoing thing. And, and uh, it was almost like someone drinking on Friday night. I'm going to be sober all week. Yes. But yeah. then Friday and Saturday, bang, is almost the same thing. Yeah, and sometimes I'd go longer, and it was just like, I don't know. Well, the more I, I, I found out about it and what it does to your body, the you know, the, you know, the, the more that I wanted to stop doing that. And, and I finally did, you know, I finally phased it out. And I still, you know, maybe every, like a month, once a month I might have something, mm -hmm. but it's usually like this, like Thanksgiving, I was at my sister's house and, and, uh, they had some desserts and then these friends came over for dinner and they brought desserts and, and it was like, Oh, you gonna try, you gotta try some of this. And, and I, and, and so I just took like a taste, like not even a, piece i took a little taste of one thing and a little taste of another and that's all i really needed i just needed to taste it i didn't really want to eat like a whole big serving right well see that's the thing about food right like we feel somehow in, in our american culture like a, a potato chip isn't enough you got to put your arm in that bag you know and then you keep digging till it's gone right yeah or uh, same with ice cream. Man, I want ice cream. A spoon of ice cream tastes just as good as a bowl of ice cream as does a carton of ice cream. It's the same taste. That's true. But, but your mind is going, well, if this tastes good, then even more is going to taste better. Right. I mean, that's sort of how your mind tricks you into it. <laughs> but, it but it can't. It cannot taste any better. What no. can? But see, with me, I would eat until I was in pain. You know what really helped me was the intermittent fasting. Mm. That's what broke broke the the habit for me because, you know, a lot of times, like in the evening, like around like ten at night or nine thirty ten, I would. That's when I would go into the kitchen and I'd get the crackers out and the peanut butter, you know, all that kind of junk. And, and it was like a ritual. Yeah, and and once I started the fasting, it was like I get. I, I, you know, my, my eating window closes and then that feeling hits me. Like I want to go out in the kitchen and I'm like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm in my fasting mode now. So I would, I would ignore it. And what that taught me was half the time I wasn't even hungry when I did that. Mm -hmm. It was, I was just either bored or I guess it was boredom. I don't know, but it was just this habit of going out there at certain times and, yeah, it really taught me the difference between hunger and, and just boredom, really. Because a lot of us in this country, uh, we do not know what actual hunger is. Right. You know, most of us wouldn't know. Uh, like, for example, my stepkids, they'll say, oh, I'm not feeling this. You know, well, this is dinner. This is You don't get to feel dinner. This is food to to be better for your body, and this is what it is. But... We live in such a uh, 
full country as far as gluttony and options of choice, right? Like you've toured the world. Mm -hmm. And you've seen where like you go into some places for bread and it's not 29 different kinds of bread in one aisle. Right. It's a different world, right? And uh, first world problems that we can uh, turn our nose up at everything, right? Like I always say that you can tell that you're kind of spoiled as far as food go when you spend two and a half hours trying to pick a place to eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, now you mentioned being on the road and food on the road. I want to talk to you about that challenge, but let's play another song. And another song that you picked that kind of inspires you in some ways, the Almond Brothers' One Way Out from the album Live at the Fillmore East. What is it about this song? Ah, oh, it's another guitar solo. Um, that, the first solo, Dickie Betts, when that kicks in, it's just magic. Mm. <laughs> but, but it was hard because I, when I was trying to pick a song, there's so many Almond Brothers songs that hit me like that. But, but I picked this one because that, the One Way Out solo... Dickie Betts' solo on that is just amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, well, here we go. Allman Brothers from Live at the Fillmore East, One Way Out. Oh, 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 
some man go walking Take my place Ain't no way in the world I'm going out that front door That is, of course, the Allman Brothers off their great album, Eat a Peach. That was One Way Out, recorded live at the Fillmore East. So, Brian, where did Brian Damage come from, your your alter ego name? Well, that came back in 1985. We were doing the um, Midnight Dynamite record up in New York City at Atlantic Studios with Bo Hill. And... You know, we would get done recording and go out and, you know, I was drinking. And so I'd show up the next morning with a hangover pretty much every day. (laughs) And uh, this one particular day, I was, it was a little worse than the other days. And I'm, there's a couch right in front of the uh, mixing console. So I pretty much spent the whole first half of the day on that couch just moaning (laughs) <laughs> and and uh and Bo saw me there and and Bo's pet name for me was Brain. So it's you know, it's like Brian with the A yeah. I A reverse. So he'd go Brain and then this one day he looks down and he goes, Brain damage and he goes, Hey, that should be your nickname. So that's that's where that came from. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Now we're talking about being on tour. What's some of the favorite places that things that you like to you know places and venues and towns what are some of the ones that really jump out at you like you get like when it comes up you go yes oh um wow that's a good one i mean there there are really cool like ram's head live in baltimore is a really cool venue i love Mm -hmm. playing there um you know it's funny because some venues are really cool but there's the the things that surround it aren't so cool Mm. Um, like, like M3, like Meriwether, that's a great, uh, you know, it's, it's always a great time as far as playing, but everything leading up to that show, like behind the scenes, it's really hectic. And it's, uh, especially now they, 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 uh, it's got a rotating stage now. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get a sound check because you, you set up, they, the, the crew sets up your stuff while the other band is playing. Mm. So you kind of got to go out there and like sort of tweak it while the other band's playing and then hope everything's right when, when the thing spins around and you got to start. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that, that, that could be very problematic. Yeah. And it never fails. Like those kind of gigs, 
it'll be five minutes before the show starts in my in like my in-ear wireless thing all of a sudden i'm getting all this interference and it's cutting in and out and and you know we'll have to scramble and try to find another channel and just you know you're just scrambling and then all of a sudden you got to run out there and, and do this show but uh you know most people don't see that part of it and then we you know we just try to deal with it and and do put on a good show but there are other venues around like there's one up in connecticut the mohegan sun's really cool it, it you know it's a really cool uh casino yeah and, and, it, and it looks great too yeah and they treat us really nice and um i'm trying to think of some other ones around you know, we we do the we do a lot of the same well, a lot of the festivals we do, but I kind of like the the clubs. Some of the clubs are kind of fun. Well, that's where you cut your teeth, right? Yeah, and it's a little. It, it's not like it's not as hectic as like a, a like a festival. Right. Right. So you know life on the road do you have like, like a writer as far as like you tell people this is what i want for food or or do you, you just i mean how do you stay on your program on the road we do have a writer but it doesn't always come together <laughs> like you think it's going to as van halen taught us a long time ago <laughs> yeah but but I, the the well, our, our sound man is the one that deals with the writer situation, and he's always giving me a hard time because it seems like, like every time they get the writer straightened out, by the time they get it implemented, my diet's changed, and it's mm. something, and it's something different. And it's so funny because I, I used to be for the longest time I was pescatarian, which is you know I, I didn't eat meat, but I, on your mother's side. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it just sounds like I'm a pescatarian on my mother's side. It's just right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I basically I, I, I ate fish, but I didn't eat I didn't eat meat or anything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, my our sound man he just didn't get it, and he thought he kept putting vegan on the on the rider. Like we have, you know this many meals are this, and then we need one vegan meal. And I'm like, I'm not vegan. It's like, and then he, then he thought it was, he just thought vegetarian, vegan, and pescatarian were all the same thing. He didn't realize, he didn't understand that. So then, then when I got to keto, he found out that he was type two diabetic. Mm. So, um, there were a bunch of stuff that I was asking for were good for him too. So he was cool with that. But so now we have, there's still some keto stuff on there that I don't even need anymore. Like we get avocados. Mm -hmm. um, we still get, I still get cans of sardines. <laughs> and I got to make sure, you know, they're not canola oil or, or uh, what is it, cottonseed, that, that, that it's in uh, extra virgin olive oil right. or, or spring water. But um, so those are still on the rider, and I just toss those in my bag and take them home. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you hit a lot of buffets, like you will make your own meat platter. Yeah, if I have the choice. That, that's another thing that, well, like when I get into a, a strange town, the first thing I do when I get to the hotel room is I get my laptop out and I do a search of all the, like first of all the diners, if I can't find a good diner, then I'll start looking at 
restaurants to go to. And, and I look at the choices and it doesn't have to be like, like a certain entree, like as long as it's got like the meat thing. And if I, then I'll look in the burgers and I'll see, oh, they have bacon for that. So they have bacon. And then sometimes if there's an egg on the burger, I know that they'll, they'll make an egg after breakfast hours, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of thing. So I, I look at all for all the ingredients that I want to include in my meal. And then I just go and say, okay, I want the steak and I want a side of bacon. And can you throw a couple eggs on there too? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's weird because you you almost do this like uh, thing where you're negotiating your meal. Yeah. Like, well, okay, if you can do this, then you can do that. Does right. that sound good? So we can do that. You know? <laughs> and sometimes if there if there's no fried egg, I look in the salads and they'll have like a hard boiled egg in the salad, and I'll go, well, just throw a hard boiled egg on there too. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. You just kind of look for stuff on the menu that you can just throw on in there. But yeah. that. That frustrates, a, you know, a waitress because they don't know how to charge you for that. You know, it's right. not a normal meal. Well, they have like twenty-three items on their menu or whatever, right? And it's programmed. Yeah. So now they don't know what to do. I mean, if if you say, okay, I want a cheeseburger without the bun, mm-hmm. and you know, you might be, let's say, in my case, I'd get broccoli, right? And they're like, well, we don't know quite how to charge you for this. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's that's always the dilemma. So they always have to they always have to go pass it by their their uh, manager or whatever, you know. <laughs> Very much so. So I asked you again uh, a song, and this is one of my favorite songs, and uh, it just kicks all kinds of ass. It's ZZ Top. Uh, Jesus just left Chicago off Trey's Ombres, and you definitely do have that Southern style in some of your playing which goes back to like the the blues and the delta blues and all that stuff and it it all goes through that progression who would you say are your top five guitarists that you've kind of patterned your work after or that you look at well uh definitely billy gibbons he's got that attack you can hear it when he plays the way he j- he'll just hit a note, just a single note. There's just the attack on it. And if you listen to Dickie Betts, it's the same kind of that same feel. There, there's that feel that attracts me. And then later on, beyond ZZ Top was um, Angus Young. And if you listen to Angus, he's he sounds a lot like Billy Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of my main three. But there's so many other good ones. Um, if I had to name couple more there's a guy named hollywood fats that's really good he was around back in the 80s around hollywood obviously mm-hmm. uh and then a spinoff from his band is uh kid ramos who's still around hollywood fats has uh, died but kid ramos is another really good blues player and then more recently i've discovered this guy named josh smith who's who nobody knows <laughs> but he's great I went and saw him. He played. He's from Los Angeles, but he he came through uh, Nashville a couple months ago, and he was playing like this venue. It was just it was like a clothing store that had a stage in the back. Mm, yeah. And I just happened to find out that he was going to be there, and I ran down. It was a free show. And man, that guy just blew me away. So good. And he's a he's I forget how old he is. He's he's way younger than me, and I'm like man. <laughs> you know, I hear somebody like that, and I'm like, "Where'd you learn all this stuff?" And he's because he's a blues player, but he's 
he's so knowledgeable. I mean, not only is he like he's very like um, um, spontaneous and inspirational when he plays. He can break it down and, and explain everything that he's doing. That's one thing I can't do. Like I'm, I'm just a pure like by the ear kind of player, and I just go by feel. So it's hard for me to even explain what I'm doing. Mm. But this guy, he, yeah, he's great. If if anyone's interested in checking him out, and and his name again is it's Josh Smith. All right, very good. Well, without further ado or further don't, here's ZZ Top with Jesus Just Left Chicago. Jesus Just Left Chicago
great track. Man, some of their stuff, they just could do no wrong when they were on it. You know, it was amazing. Yeah, the early, the early, especially the early ZZ Top. I, I mean, I was a huge, huge fan. And, it, and, and I could, if I had to break down, break it down to one guitar player, it would be Billy Gibbons. Very good. Where it's in the 80s, your contemporaries were more trying to be Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. And sounding like bumblebees for the most part. <laughs> but that's the difference between a surgeon with a scalpel and a guy with a chainsaw. <laughs> right. So uh, now I want to talk to you about your place. And uh, we're going to wrap things up here. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk with me. I'd love to have you back on this Strictly Talk Kicks. But I want to talk about your place. And this is a one-two kind of a thing. I want to talk to you about your place where you're actually living and your place in rock and roll. So the first thing, your story's got a great happy ending. You're living in a really cool place. It's it's like a Disney movie out there. The 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 deer are coming up to the (laughs) to the house and the property and everything. Kind of explain your current digs. Oh well, it's it's just outside of Nashville. I'm like probably ten miles northeast of Nashville, right up the Route 65. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of out, I'm not like in the woods, like there's a lot of woods out here in, in, uh, Tennessee, (laughs) but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm far enough away where it's kind of open. I got a, a open field behind my house and, um, my neighbors put out corn for, for the deer. So it attracts the deer. Mm hmm. And uh, I have since I put a salt lick on the fence post and I throw apples out there. And yeah. so it's really, it's, it's really cool to watch them come through and, you know, watch them like uh, go from little deer to huge, like a huge buck with the horns and all that or horns, antlers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you were a teen, you didn't imagine you'd be living in this really cool place. No, in fact, yeah, I grew up in Frederick, but uh, yeah. I initially left Maryland because I couldn't stand the the seasons anymore. Like the winters were brutal. I mean, when I was a kid in school, I loved snow and all that stuff because I could get out of going to school. Right. But once but once you you know become an adult, you got to deal with it. Yeah, that shit's not fun anymore. <laughs> no. So so I got out of there and went to L.A. My, I have two brothers that live out there and. Uh, and every time we'd go out there, I'd be like, man, this is nice. Because we did two of our records out there. Right. And so I experienced, you know, like hanging out for an extended period of time. And it was just, the weather is so consistent and warm and sunny. And even in the winter, it'll get a little cooler, but not much. And uh, so anyway, I ended up out there for 26 years. And then my relationship with my girlfriend ended and she owned the ha- the house time to move i had to yeah so i had to leave <laughs> and it was like uh oh where am i going to go you know it, you know all those years i was living with her i was helping her with the mortgage payments and all that stuff and it turns out i was just paying rent <laughs> yeah so so i had to you know i had to scramble and and try to figure something out and i started looking around and it was like oh man like the rent was rents were more than mortgages and and then i i thought well maybe you know i don't want to throw away just 
you know, continue on like this and 10 years down the road have nothing to show for it. So I, I started looking to buy something and, and the houses out there just, just, you can't afford it. Like something in my price range, you know, I, I look at it and I go, you know, I just can't, I would not feel good being able to say I own that. <laughs> right. But you get a hell of a lot more house 10 miles north of Nashville than you do in LA. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, somebody mentioned Nashville. Well, actually they mentioned Franklin first, which is south of Nashville. Mm-hmm. So that's where I first looked and that was already like, Oh wow, this is much better. And then I, uh, started really digging into the search and I thought, well, what if I went further out of Franklin, not right in Franklin? And then the prices kept coming down and down. And then I just took little pockets around in different areas. And I really, what I wanted was to be close enough to the airport because that's really my job is, you know, I fly, I, I go out and play and come back. Yeah. Mickey Dolan's of the monkeys. He says, they don't pay me to sing. They pay me to travel. Yeah, right. It's kind of the same thing. So I, I made sure I was within a like a lift ride from the airport, lifter or Uber or whatever. But but you're far enough away from everything that you've got peace and serenity. But you're close enough to get right to where the action is when you need to be. Right. It's yes, yeah, a ten minute drive. Well, maybe a little more than a ten, fifteen minute drive. But it's amazing how many hard rock players are now living in Nashville. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I knew there was a lot, a lot of people, because you know we do all those festivals and cruises, and everybody's yeah, I live in Nashville. But when I after I finally got here, I, I I've been discovering more and more people. It's like oh, I didn't know you lived here. Yeah, it's weird. You you have to go out of state to find out who your neighbor is. But uh, so yeah. I, so I asked you about your place in rock. Are you happy with with where you are? I mean, uh, you've went through the highs, you've went through the lows, you've come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you happy with your place? Uh, well, I I am happy that that I can. This is my job. I get paid to do this, and I can. I can uh, afford a house doing this, and uh, I don't have to work a day job at the moment. But yeah, yeah, I'm happy right now. I know that um, that's another reason I, I moved here to Nashville because the the music scene is just happening here. So mm-hmm. hopefully, at some point, like during my downtime, maybe I can find some guys and jam with you know on the side and just have some fun. Especially since uh, you know Rhino Bucket is not happening anymore. I mean, that was kind of my side thing for right. a, a long time, and that was a, a lot of fun. And so it's almost like I, I feel like I—that's the one thing that's missing right now—is is another little side like musical outlet that I can do. Well, there's so much opportunity in Nashville. I know you're going to find something that you love. Kicks is a band that I know that when I left you guys, because I I was from outside of Cleveland, but uh, when I moved from there to Laurel, you know, you mentioned the winners in Laurel. I was like a superhero at wintertime because uh, people would get like one inch of snow in Laurel and Mm -hmm. they'd act like, oh, it's the end of the world. And I'd be like the rock jumping into an SUV and like, I've got this, you know, it was... (laughs) 
<laughs> it's nothing that, that scares me, but uh, it's amazing how people get used to certain things. You guys really earned your nut and your reputation, and you guys, you guys owned Baltimore, and your your story is great. I know that it was weird because when I moved back to Ohio, I was working in a nursing home, and I heard Cold Blooded, and I'm like, I know that song. How do I know that song? And I'm like, they did it. You guys busted out. You know, it was amazing. So just congratulations and you do good work. Well, it's it's just that consistent, relentless, you know, just keep at it kind of thing, you know? Right, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And like I said, this was going to be a different kind of conversation, a different interview for Mr. Brian Damage or Mr. Brian Forsyth. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. Yes, I had fun. I mean, I could I could have gone on even longer with the food thing and and in getting into all the the scientific part of it and all that stuff. In fact, I don't know how much time you have left, but um, I just went and had. I, I'm, I'm between doctors because I moved here and I don't have a doctor yet. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, um, Ken Berry, who actually. Uh, lives here in in Nashville isn't isn't doing his practice at the moment, but I would love to have him as a doctor. That would be like a dream come true. Definitely. But I but I went and had my uh, blood work done this past week, and I just got the results this morning. And uh, I'm going to need somebody to help me interpret interpret most of them. Most of them. <laughs> yeah, it does look like. Uh... You pretty much need uh, Mr. Spock to to explain it to you. Yeah, but my cholesterol came back with a big red writing, like a you know alert, <laughs> <laughs> which just cracks me up because uh, you know it, it, they're high numbers, like where where they're supposed to be high, but you know the, people just freak out. Like the overall number, it's like the overall number doesn't mean anything, and it's like. Because there's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. Yeah, and and yeah, even the what they consider bad, the LDL, isn't bad if everything else is okay. So you know, right. it's just, it's just funny how that works. You know, people just freak when they see the numbers. Well, in my case, it was weird because uh, as huge as I got, as big as I got, nobody ever really said, "Hey, man, do you think you could like drop a couple cheeseburgers or whatever." Nobody said anything. Uh-huh. As soon as I tried to cut sugar out of my life, as soon as I tried to cut noodles out of my life, potatoes, you know, those the the the, the, the basically the keto thing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're worried for my health, you know. He, yeah, isn't that weird? It's very strange <laughs> like you know, okay, I was on heroin, I uh I was drinking constantly, I was eating bad, and everybody said, "Hey, it's the life of the party." Now that I'm getting, and there are results, like I can show you before and after pictures. Like, I think you saw a picture of me recently holding up my pants, right? Yes. That's not, that's not pretend. That's the real deal. And I'm able to walk and it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, and it's funny because, you know, people think it's this miracle diet and all, but really you're just getting back to the way you're supposed to eat, you know? Because food is programming. Yeah. It's, we need to look at it more like that than uh, 
And it's it's the more natural way to eat, and people think it's weird, and it's but no, no, the way you're eating is weird. This is like what you're supposed to do. Well, it like I've had people say that their doctor advised them not to eat keto, and I'm trying right. to think why, and I'm like, so you should have more sugar. Well, here's the thing: you should have more breads. What's what's what are we cutting out that's going to hurt you? Well, here's the thing, uh, and and Doctor Ken Berry explains it perfectly i mean he explains that because you know he's he he's, he's an actual doctor so he had to deal with this stuff but it, but the uh pharmaceutical industry the the you know government guidelines for for the nutrition and like all this stuff is is intertwined in in the uh insurance companies and, like everything is they're all working together to make the most money they can so Doctors' hands are tied half the time. Well, for one thing, they don't get enough nutrition uh, training when they're when they're going through school, mm-hmm. and then a lot of them get lazy and they don't ever check it out for themselves. They just go by what they were told, and and it's all influenced by, you know, money, and that's who influences the research and all that stuff. It's just and and Dr. Barry was saying like if he didn't like. Their guidelines for the doctor, like they're only allowed to see patients for a certain amount of time. If they go over that time, they get in trouble, and then they have to diagnose a situation and then prescribe something for it, and that's the protocol. And if they don't do that, then the insurance company can refuse payment, and right. they don't they don't get paid. Like, have you ever went to a drive-in and you see that they have a, a clicker, a counter, like timing how long your visit in the drive-in line is? No, I never noticed that. Oh, yeah, it happens. Like, McDonald's, you have so much time you can be in the drive through lane and then they have to have you park somewhere else. And it's a ding on their record, right? So it's almost like that with insurance companies and doctors. They don't want you to really get involved. They want you to just, here's your easy fix. Here's your new pill that you're going to be on for the rest of your life. Right. And, and yeah, and, it, and it's all influenced by the pharmaceutical company. So they can just, you know, all those, the like the cholesterol levels and the and blood pressure levels, like all that stuff, they've, They've been lowered down to into the normal ranges now where they're considered high. And, and that that's all has to do with the influence of the pharmaceutical companies so they can sell more pills and make more money. You know, it's just like it's really maddening when you look at that stuff. Well, it's the same company that owns the company that makes the crackers with the plastic stuff in it and the mm-hmm. bread with the plastic stuff in it and the stuff that your body can't digest. Those are the same people that want to sign you up for pills mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. It's the same corporation. Yeah, so they're feeding you the poison that makes you sick and then they have the answer for it that they can sell you at the end of, of it, you know, the Band-Aid to put on top of it. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Boy, you said a lot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Nobody, when you're going through hell, nobody says, hey, man, you ought to rethink this. But when you're trying to get clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and that whole, and that whole like, the, the recommendations for your diet when the doctor's talking to you at the end of the visit. Like, you know, I had my blood work done, like, a year ago. And it's the same thing. Like, that doctor and the doctor before, they all had the, and the funny thing was I went in for the checkup 
And, you know, I, I weigh like 128 pounds or something, maybe 130 at some point. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not overweight, I'm in shape and they look at my cholesterol and they, they recommend, this was the doctor's recommendation to eat less fat, eat more grains, whole grains in fruit, which is basically sugar and exercise more and well they said stop smoking i don't even smoke but but they they say all the things that uh, you know it's just this programmed thing that they rattle off of some piece of paper somewhere you know that they've been taught or that they have to it's almost like their their instructions that's their instructions and it makes no sense and i'm saying and and i'm hearing this on the phone the the, the doctors talking to me and i'm going do you remember what I look like? Like, do, do you remember seeing me? <laughs> but yeah. I don't. I don't think she did. She just, you know, it's just I'm just another patient, you know. Well, it's it's even weirder when you're overweight because, like, when I went in to the doctors this uh, earlier in the spring, it had been a year since my last checkup. There was nothing wrong with me. I needed to. So, in that amount of time, I did something that was impossible. I lost weight mm -hmm. and all of my life doctors have been, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. And I finally did it. And I got on the scale and the nurse who I flirt with and she's cool and she's wonderful and all that stuff. She just saw me as an overweight guy right now. She didn't like see me that I lost a hundred pounds. But when that number came up on the scale, she was like, Whoa, what are you doing? Hmm. And the doctor flipped out, and he is just thrilled with what I'm doing because, you know, he says it's so frustrating as a as a healthcare uh, person. You you try to counsel people and you talk to people, and they say, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna lose some weight. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that," and they never do. Well, you know, and and that's the problem with that because they're going by what the doctor tells them to do, and right. it, and what the doctor tells them to do doesn't work. So he's going to start pushing this as a as an alternative to the regular thing. So I'm glad I have a doctor that can see what's going on. Yeah, you're very lucky because a lot of doctors are, you know, yeah, you're lucky that that he's he's open minded to it. And and the other cool thing is you ended up teaching him something, you know. Well, I I hope so. But uh, it, then his nurse friend at me on facebook and i'm sending her all these recipes and you know <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good but this is an interesting journey that we're on and yeah uh, and you know you mentioned you're like at your most 130 pounds i've lost that much so wow you've lost like a whole person i've lost <laughs> you and i found you again at rock and pod so yeah it really was weird to hear you guys on the radio after playing in the same place with you it was just it was so amazing that you made it but uh it was great seeing you at rock and pod and uh, i'd like to thank chris sinzak because he was saying uh yeah i was talking to brian forsyth and i mentioned that you're into keto and he said you guys really need to talk so here we are <laughs> yeah yeah um my show that i'm doing this on is uh pop and it's part of the big reveal which is about 
uh, your health, both mental, physical, spiritual, whatever works for you. And uh, I don't look at this as so much an interview, but as a conversation. And if you'd like to come back on and do another conversation, I'm always ready. If you want to do a straight-up kicks thing, I can do that too. So I want to thank you for coming on the show today, and thank you for being part of this. It, uh, it's, it's great to reconnect with you after all this time. Yeah, well, it was, it was, um, it was a pleasure. Excellent. All right, well, thank you once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Now, do you think that the band I was in, Mr. Monster, was probably the greatest band that was never heard? Would you say that? Would you go on record as saying that? <laughs> sure. If I could... <laughs> I don't remember you. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I know. There were so many bands. but Right. Uh, anyway, I want to thank you once again. All right. Yeah. You... And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy it. Yeah, as long as I'm living, I'll be doing it, so. <laughs> All right, well, we will see you. Be good. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. Bye. And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Hi everyone, Christine Wolf here. You might know me as a podcast host or announcer, or by my formal title, Christine the Button Queen. But I have a secret identity. I'm an independent insurance agent. That's right, it's nonstop excitement in my world, and protecting people's most important business and personal assets is a big part of it. With clients from coast to coast, it doesn't matter whether you're in Clarksville, Rockford, Gotham City, or a galaxy far, far away. I can help you. Give me a call for your free quote. If you're a business owner or decision maker, let's talk about an insurance portfolio custom fit for your needs. And on the personal side, whether you own your home or rent, have a driving record that's squeaky clean or not quite the best, I've got you covered. Oh, and about those monkeys collectibles you have? Yep, I can make sure those are protected too. I've put together a team with decades of experience of risk management and analysis, and my relationships with dozens of insurance companies means that I can put together an insurance program tailor-made for you. So give me a call today at 314-657-2995. That's 314-657-2995. Or email me at christinewolf at cjthomas.com. Or you can even PM me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you and get the chance to run some free quotes for you and earn your business. Hi everyone, Christine Wolf here. You might know me as a podcast host or announcer or by my formal title, Christine the Button Queen. But I have a secret identity. I'm an independent insurance agent. 
That's right. It's nonstop excitement in my world, and protecting people's most important business and personal assets is a big part of it. With clients from coast to coast, it doesn't matter whether you're in Clarksville, Rockford, Gotham City, or a galaxy far, far away. I can help you. Give me a call for your free quote. If you're a business owner or decision maker, let's talk about an insurance portfolio custom fit for your needs. And on the personal side, whether you own your home or rent, have a driving record that's squeaky clean or not quite the best, I've got you covered. Oh, and about those KISS collectibles you have? Yep, I can make sure those are protected too. I've put together a team with decades of experience of risk management and analysis, and my relationships with dozens of insurance companies means that I can put together an insurance program tailor-made for you. So give me a call today at 314-657-2995. That's 314-657-2995. Or email me at christinewolf at cjthomas.com, or you can even PM me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you and get the chance to run some free quotes for you and earn your business.